Omega Man Radio has been commissioned to invade deep into enemy territory, drive out the hosts of hell, and take back the land. Our mission is to preach Jesus Christ, the Son of God, who is the only name written under heaven by which men might be saved, cast out demons, and pray for the sick that they may be healed in Jesus' name. If this program is a blessing to you and you would like to take part in this harvest of souls, join with us and attack the hosts of hell by donating any amount online at www.omegamanradio.com. You may also donate by sending check or money order to 9030 West Sahara Avenue, Suite 665, Las Vegas, Nevada, 89117. We thank you. Are you ready? Ready to take a ride? Grab your coffee and strap yourself in because the show is about to begin. From the front lines of America, Babylon, and transmitting worldwide on the internet and satellite, you are listening to Omega Man Radio Network with Shannon Davis. said before, if you want to find a lot of demons, go to church. There you can be sure you'll find a bunch. They're roosting all over God's people. They're binding them down. They're choking them off. And somebody has to care because people are bound. And if it isn't the chosen of God, I don't know who's going to care. If it isn't those whom God has called out. If they don't care enough to lay their lives on the line, I don't know who's going to do it. As the sad scripture says, I looked for a man and I found none. God looked for a man. He couldn't find anybody. Everybody was doing their own thing. God is calling a people to war. All out war. A war in which no quarter is given or no quarter is asked. The order of the day remains. Attack, attack, attack. That's God's marching order. Satan, in the name of Jesus Christ, we put you on notice. We bind you, you wicked power. 
We come against you from the third heaven. I'm seated in the heavenlies in Christ Jesus, high above you, high above principalities, powers, thrones, dominions, high above world rulers, kings, princes, and every angelic rank. And in the name of Jesus Christ, we rebuke and bind you, and especially we bind you concerning the lives, the minds, and the bodies of these people who stand here. We rebuke you and every foul spirit that may still have a resting place somewhere in their uh, innermost being. We bind them. For so these people have heard the call of God to dedicate and consecrate themselves to God. And you must flee and your host must be defeated utterly. We come against you in the name of Jesus Christ and we bind every foul and wicked spirit that would bind body, mind, soul, any area of their life to keep it from being effective for the Lord. We bind you in the name of Jesus Christ. Father, in Jesus' name, we come to you and we loose on these people the spirits of power, love, sound mind. We loose the spirits of wisdom, revelation. We will loose the spirits of courage. We loose the spirits of power over the enemy. And we loose all the spirits of God to do their office work in and through these people as they go forth. Moreover, we loose the spirit of Elijah to break the power of Jezebel on our land. And in the name of Jesus Christ, we ask you, Lord, uh, to loose the spirit of humility, the spirit of servanthood on everyone here. Let everyone be desirous of taking the place of a servant. In the name of Jesus Christ, we thank you for it. Amen. And welcome to the Omega Man Radio Network. Tonight is a live show. Today is Tuesday, October the 19th. And, you know, normally we do a program at uh, 8 p.m. Eastern Time or 11 p.m. Eastern Time, but for the last two weeks I've taken off and been working on uh, some upgrades to hopefully be able to bring a show to you that will be broadcast quality. Uh, we're also working on a video feed, which uh, we're very close to uh, seeing it become a reality. In fact, if you go to MegamanRadio.com, you're going to see the uh, the TV window there. It says off-air right now, but I tested the feed last night, and uh, it works, guys. So uh, working to uh, bring a video show as well as the radio feed real soon. And it will, you know, like, for example, we'll be able to take the Saturday night show, uh, get Dr. Pat and I on there, and uh, you can see our ugly faces while we're doing the program. It just means I can't pick my nose because you'll see that too. <laughs> That's the problem with uh, with video. So uh, thank you for coming out tonight. Uh, tonight is just going to be a short program. Uh, I want to uh, share a word from the Lord that I got this week, and I'm going to have special guest Katrina King, my mother, on tonight. And we're going to be talking about uh, her burden for the street kids, kids of India and uh, an opportunity for you to get involved with us. So uh, without further ado, I'm going to uh, start um, with giving you an update on uh, what happened to me the other night. And I will also give this number out. If you would like prayer tonight, uh, we always want to make the opportunity available to you to call in if you'd like to be prayed for. The number for tonight is 917-889-2745. So let me get that out of the way again, 917-889-2745. Okay. Basically... Uh, here's what happened is uh, a few nights ago, uh, I was awoken, and uh, as I often do, if I wake up in the middle of the night, I just look at the clock to see what time it was, and it was a little bit after 3 a.m., and uh, for those of you that uh, have had this happen to you, you know what 3 a.m. is all about. 
Uh, that's either a time where God is going to speak to you and wants to get your attention, and he'll wake you up when everything is quiet in the world, uh, or you'll come under a demonic attack, and uh, it could be a warning sign to wake up and start praying. So naturally, you know, being in the deliverance ministry, we come under a lot of attack. We've got witches and warlocks praying against us. We've got people in the body of Christ who curse us. And uh, you know, every attack imaginable has been launched against uh, me in this ministry. But, uh, you know, that's part of being in the warfare. And, uh, you know, what you've got to do is just keep pushing through and realize that no one goes into war without getting scathed. So what I learned to do and what you should learn to do is do spiritual warfare every day. And if someone's sending curse against you or they're astral projecting, you know, to try to attack you at night, uh, maybe they send a demon against you to attack you, to kill you. What you're going to do is you're just going to wake up like I did and say, you know, I plead the blood of Jesus over me. I break all hexes, vexes, curses, and spells. And I command them to go back to where they came from sevenfold in Jesus' name. You know, I bind all witchcraft attacks away from me, all demons away from me. And I command them to go back to the demon that sent them sevenfold in Jesus' name. And I cover myself in the blood of Jesus, and I ask God that you would loose angels to come down right now and stand guard around me and my family in the name of Jesus Christ. Now, that's what I did a few nights ago. And if you'll do that, any curses or witchcraft attacks or demons that have been sent against you now must go back to where they came from, and they're going to attack the person that sent them. And, you know, if it was a witch or warlock that did that, uh, usually it only takes one time. There's been witches that have died attacking a believer who knew his authority in Jesus Christ, or her authority. Of course, the single most greatest weapon you can use is the blood of Jesus. Sprinkle that on yourself every day. Sprinkle it on your car. Sprinkle it on your family, on your house or your apartment. Uh, sprinkle it on your workplace. And when the enemy comes up and they see the blood, you know they're going to run and scatter and go the other way. Look for an easier target. Just like when the death angel came and tried to you know, come through and kill the people, uh, if they had the, the blood on the doorpost, he would pass and go to the next house. Same principle today, folks. The blood of Jesus is powerful. So that's what I do. And, uh, you know, I like to pour the blood of Jesus on demons, too. It really works, folks. They do not like that, and they usually gag out faster that way and come out. So, you know, this is warfare. And uh, so we're getting intense when we do these uh, deliverance sessions because these demons are real folks, and they're in people of God. They're keeping them bound up, tied up. They're breaking marriages. They're robbing our joy. They're causing people to jump off of uh, buildings and commit suicide. We had to deal with a 68-year-old lady last night who was being attacked by demons that came in when her husband forced her to take prescription meds. It dropped the hedge of protection, and uh, it was like talking to s someone in slow motion. I need prayer. The demons are attacking me. It was like that. I kid you not. God have mercy on the lady. She still was in her right mind, but uh, she was so bound up. We prayed for her. We took authority over these foul spirits in Jesus' name, command them to go into the cage. We asked God to loose ministering angels to her, ask for restoration of her mind. And, folks, it is that bad out there. Okay? We prayed for a guy the other day that was digging up corpses and taking their skulls. Had satanic altars in his basement. Okay? This stuff is real. There was a lady that was raped by demons that jumped off of a Mormon who came into her house during an open house where she was trying to sell it, and she was being sexually assaulted in her sleep. This stuff is real. Now, if you 
don't believe that a Christian can have a demon and then go back to sleep. I just hope that uh, you'll remember us when all else fails. Maybe you'll still be alive and can still get some help. But Satan's out to attack us all. And he's just going to have an easier job of doing it when you refuse to believe that demons are real, the host of hell are real, and that they can be in you as a Christian. The good news is that deliverance is the children's bread. Okay, You can get set free, and you can stay free, keep yourself covered with the blood of Jesus. The point I'm trying to make here is uh, we've come under a lot of attack, and so back to my story. Don't ever ask me a question. I might, you know, if you ask me, uh, tell you about my life, I might take you back to when I was six months old. We could be here for months before I get <laughs> to the present time. But let me get back to my story. So uh, I'm awoken, and I said, maybe there's a spiritual attack coming. So what I did is I just started pleading the blood over myself and did spiritual warfare, and then I laid back down and went to sleep. Well, the next night comes along, and lo and behold, I hear this sound it sounds like Morse code. Now, I'm a light sleeper, and I hear this thing went, beep, 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 beep. And I said, whoa, what's that? And I woke up, and it was my computer. I heard this sound coming out of the speakers. Well, it woke me out of my sleep. And what did I do? But I said, whoa, wait, this is the second night in a row. What time is it? It was 3, 10 a.m. in the morning. I said, maybe there's another demonic attack coming. Because, you know, when you're asleep, your spirit man is awake. And the demons will come and try to attack you when you're at your weakest point. And so what you want to do also, you just want to bind any demonic attacks that would come at you before you go to sleep. You bind the incubus and succubus and asmodeus and osmodeus demons. Forbid them to attack you as you sleep. Cover yourself in the blood of Jesus and, uh, and go to sleep. Well, I done all that. But I woke up and I said, well, wait a minute, maybe this isn't a spiritual attack. Second night in a row, maybe God's trying to speak to me. So what did I do? I got my Bible, got the sword. I usually sleep with it on my chest because uh, just an extra precautionary measure if the, the de demons make their way into my house. I've got a little bit of protection. I've got my sword there. And here's what I did is I opened the Word of God and I just let it fall open. I'm not drinking Colombian blend tonight. I've got some uh, mixed berry juice, low sugar on a cup of ice tonight. That's an accepted drink on the Omega Man show. As you know, you can drink Colombian blend coffee, green tea, or you're allowed to drink uh, liquid of your choice as long as it has ice. Okay. Um, why ice? Because I like to maintain the optimum temperature in my mouth. I don't like uh, cold drinks. There's nothing worse than if someone were to give me a can of Coke and it's warm drink. I must have ice. Wouldn't you agree? Do I hear an amen out there? Let me know that you're awake. Okay, so uh, I open. <laughs> I opened the word, and it just fell open to Isaiah 13. And I said, God, what are you trying to say to me? Well, if you want to turn with me to Isaiah 13, Isaiah 13, folks, it's not a good word tonight that I have to share with you. It talks about the day of the Lord, and it talks about the desolation of Babylon. And uh, it says, I'll just read a couple excerpts, okay? Therefore, I will shake the heavens, and the earth shall remove out of her place in the wrath of the Lord of hosts and in the day of his fierce anger. And it shall be as the chaste roe, and as a sheep that no man taketh up. They shall every man turn to his own people and flee every one into his own land. And every one that is found shall be thrust through. And every one that is joined unto them shall fall by the sword. Their children also shall be dashed to pieces before their eyes. Their houses shall be spoiled and their wives ravished. Behold, I will stir up the meads against them which shall not regard silver, and as for gold, 
They shall not delight in it. Their bows also shall dash the young men to pieces, and they shall have no pity on the fruit of the womb. Their eyes shall not spare the children. And Babylon, the glory of kingdoms, the beauty of the Chaldees' excellency, shall be as when God overthrew Sodom and Gomorrah. It shall never be inhabited, neither shall it be dwelt in from generation to generation, neither shall the Arabian pitch tent there, neither shall the shepherds make their fold there. But wild beasts of the desert shall lie there, and their houses shall be full of doleful creatures, and owls shall dwell there, and satyrs shall dance there. And the wild beasts of the island shall cry in their desolate houses, and dragons in their pleasant palaces, and her time is near to come, and her days shall not be prolonged. So what's God trying to say here? And I didn't read the whole chapter, but that's the meat of it. It's the burden of Babylon, the destructive day of the Lord, Yahweh, Yahovah. Folks, I got that verse, and I said, well, God, uh, okay, doesn't sound good. I'm tired, I'm going back to sleep. So before I went to sleep, I jumped over to my laptop, and I just uh, punched up uh, the King James Bible on tape. I happen to have the Max McLean version over at iTunes. I like his uh, accent. A little bit different. You know, you can go with Alexander Scorby. You can even go with uh, James Earl Jones. Someone told me they even have a Johnny Cash Bible out there. You know, folks, the bottom line is get a hold of the true Word of God, the King James Bible, that has not been corrupted. It's been in stone for at least over 400 years since King James uh got it uh, printed in the English language, the language of the common man, so we could read it. And that's a, a subject for another show, the corruption of the New Age Bible versions, but that's not my point here tonight. The point is, is I punched up King James, and I set it up on Isaiah, and I hit play, and I laid back down. And lo and behold, before my eyes shut, it immediately started at chapter 13. Now, folks, it it should have started at chapter 1, why did it start at Isaiah 13? Because that's the way God will confirm his word to you. He was confirming to me that this was not my vain imagination, that I had just opened the Bible and had dropped to a verse by chance. This was God himself woke me up at 3 a.m. in the morning, gave me Isaiah 13, and confirmed it. And that's the way you know it's from God. He'll give you a confirmation. I think that's fair to ask God for a confirmation. Well, he's done it to me in, in times past, so I've become attuned to know that you know God can speak through his word. Okay, he'll speak through dreams and visions. He could call you up on your telephone if he wanted to. He actually has your telephone number. You know, someone told me that. They said, have a pad of paper and a pencil. By your bed stand, who knows, you might get a wake-up call from God. Better take notes. <laughs> well, I laid back down. Well, I drifted off to sleep, and I awoke the next morning to what? other than Jeremiah 50 and 51. Those of you who know about Demetri Dudeman's prophecy for America, you know what I'm talking about when I say Jeremiah 50 and 51. Demetri Dudeman put on the electric chair three times, smuggled more Bibles into Romania and Russia than any ever, other man ever lived. He was sent to America with a warning for America. Nuclear attack. Cities would be on fire. God was going to destroy them like he did Sodom and Gomorrah. Oh, my God. I'm getting another word tonight. It mentions about Sodom and Gomorrah here tonight. God told him he was going to judge the land because of the homosexuality, the abortion, the sin of America. He said, tell the people that judgment is coming. And he showed them the locations in Las Vegas, uh, Los Angeles, San Francisco, New Orleans, 
area, Louisiana, the coast of Florida would be hit with fire. I believe it's going to be nuclear fire, folks. Um, of course, you'd couple that with David Wilkerson, who saw the nukes go off in New York City in a vision, set the trumpet to thy mouth that he did in a book back in like 82. You had Henry Gruber, who saw the Russian subsurface off the east and west coast of America, lob their missiles. Uh, it was too late for us to react. They caught us off guard. You also had Dmitry Dudeman said, when there's a civil riot in America, the government is busy dealing with it, then the Russian troops are going to sabotage our nuclear power plants. They know where they are. They've already mapped them out. And uh, we're going to have a Red Dawn invasion. Nicaragua, Mexico, Cuba, and Central America are going to come up to the border, along with Russia. Go get the movie uh, Red Dawn. Uh, they've actually got a remake of it coming out, by the way. I think that's kind of timely, because that's probably what's coming here in America soon, folks. Jeremiah 5051. Dimitri was at a prophecy conference, and he was sitting outside, uh, excuse me, sitting in the, in, inside, uh, waiting for his turn to come up and speak. And he was supposed to be coming on after another prophecy minister who was on the stage and talking about, folks, all these terrible things are coming, but don't worry, we're just going to be caught up and out of here before it all starts. And he said, dear God, you have shown me a different picture. Destruction's coming on America, and we're not going to get out of it. What am I going to tell these people? They're going to think I'm nuts. He said, in fact, I'm not getting up if you don't give me a scripture to share with these people to back up the word that you've given me and the vision that you showed me of an attack on America. And God spoke to him and says, America is in the Bible. It's in Jeremiah 50 and 51 and Revelation 18. And he gave him a few other verses. And if you go read Jeremiah 50 and 51, every time you see Babylon or daughter Babylon or the Chaldeans, just insert United States. And it's a terrible picture, folks, of the destruction of this country that we all love. Because of the sins of this nation, we would not repent. My point is, is uh, God wakes me up, gives me Isaiah 13, Jeremiah 50 and 51, and I knew exactly what he was trying to tell me when I got those. And I said, God, have mercy. Uh, I didn't even want to think about this. I've been trying to put it out of my mind because I've known that we were in the last days for, for a long time, folks. In fact, there was a time back in 2003, I knew what was coming. I had already seen the plans for mass incarceration of American citizens in the concentration camps, Rex 84, Operation Garden Plot, FEMA's true plan, which is continuity of government, uh, martial law, foreign peacekeeping troops, NORTHCOM, Operation Tripod, I mean, I could go on and do a whole show just on these terms tonight, but uh, I think some of you know what I'm talking about. The final destruction of America Babylon, that's what God was reminding about. I've known America is toast, and I didn't want to be here. I didn't want to go to the camps. I said, God, I don't want to be here and, and go through this because I've been watching and praying. I'm not asleep. And uh, I said, God, you said in Revelation 18.4, Come out of her, my people, and remove out of the midst of Babylon before I pour out my plagues. So I knew that there was a time that we all needed to get out of here. The question was, is when? Is it before or after? All this trouble starts. And so, you know, this is something I've been battling with for a long time. I, I wanted to leave. I actually did leave. And then, uh, you know, I got over and I was living over in Costa Rica. And I said, God, I want to be used by you to do something in these last days. I don't want to die and my life have been for naught. I would like a reward, and I would like to give the devil the biggest black eye that is possibly that is possible. Uh, 
and be used in a mighty way for your glory and honor. And uh, that's when he actually took me up on my words and called me back out of Costa Rica and brought me back to America. And I've been thrust into this ministry of deliverance and the miracle healing ministry. And, uh, you know, what I believe all this is saying is God is saying the it's late, the hour is late, we could wake up and uh, our whole life can change from the time we went to bed the night before. We could be under martial law. There could have been um, an incident. I mean, I heard today, actually, come to think of it, somebody went up to the Pentagon and fired off five or six rounds. Folks, I mean, we're on a powder keg, and it can change in the moment in the twinkling of an eye. Go to stevequell.com and look at the alerts. The U.S. Marshals have been called up. Strange things are happening. Gold and silver are skyrocketing. Now, I don't say this to put fear in you because God has not given us a spirit of fear, but a power and love and a sound mind. The only one we need to fear is the Lord. But those that don't know Jesus Christ as their Savior have a lot to be worried about right now because if you're one of those, your time is running out there to accept Christ. When your spirit leaves the body, it's over with. We're talking about eternity, either in heaven or hell. And things are going to accelerate so fast that men's hearts will fail them for fear. The economy is crashing, people. And uh, I look beyond that to understand that when this happens, the people that God has called, been chosen, and who you know who have been qualified by the Lord for end-time ministry are going to be going out and doing exploits. We've all been called to pick up the sword, to go out uh, and pick up the sword of spirit, that is, okay, not the physical sword, and to go to battle with the host of hell. To preach the gospel, to cast out demons, to lay hands on the sick, that they'll be healed, and to speak in new tongues. There's even a day coming where we're going to raise the dead, the Word says. And that's the authority of a believer. And that's signs that will follow them that believe in. So what I see this as is I believe it's getting about time that we're going to be going to work. And God is going to be launching people to go across this planet and to do ministry. And it'll be through battle zones while nukes are going off. Economic collapse, panic is breaking out. It'll be Mad Max to the tenth degree. So it's kind of a an alert, a red alert. I believe is what God is saying. Red alert. I've been also seeing nine one one for months on the clocks. Nine one one. We all know what that is. That's an emergency. I believe this is an emergency red alarm to buckle up as we as we do in our intro music and get ready to take a ride. And understand this that if we're in this time of the end. Satan also knows his time is coming to an end, and he's going to ramp up, and you're going to actually see demons manifest in the physical. The veil is going to be pierced, and demons are going to be manifesting, and people are going to be freaking out. They're going to come to people, some people with UFOs. Some people are looking for that to happen. Uh, it's going to be no hold barred fight, and it says people's hearts will fail them for fear. What are you going to do? Uh, if you've been led to believe that Satan is not real and his demons don't exist, and you wake up and you got one looking at you or coming into your house, you better know how to take authority over it in Jesus Christ's name and bind it and rebuke it in Jesus' name and cover yourself with the blood of Jesus. I'm just saying, it's going to get really bad here, folks, and that's just a, one part of it. There are people that are preparing to take things that they need by force. I talked to some people that said, we're not worried about getting prepared for the end. We've got our weapons, and we're going to go take what we need when the time comes. 
it's going to be all hell has broke loose. So we're going to need the protection of God. We're going to need his direction. You're going to need to be able to move when he tells you to move. Uh, or you might not make it in this stuff that's coming. Uh, so I believe God has been doing a training for many people. He's awaking people. Now, you say, well, how do you know that was God? Well, I told you he gave me the confirmation. So I, I sent the email out, though, to some friends. And let me share part two of this with you. I shot an email out, and one man wrote me back. man goes by the name of Rick Wiles, True News. You know him, right? Yes, very very well-known talk show host for over 10 years, truenews.com. Good friend. And I'm going to read for you Well, I don't know what that was. I bind that foul spirit, which just tried to shut me down. I'm back, though. So here's what Rick Wiles said. Thank you for sharing this word from the Lord that you received last night. I wanted to tell you that yesterday the Spirit impressed upon me to read Haggai. He says, you know, Isaiah 13 says, Therefore I will shake the heavens and the earth shall remove out of her place in the wrath of the Lord of hosts and in the day of his fierce anger. Well, he says, Haggai 2, verse 6 to 7 says, For thus saith the Lord of hosts, Yet once it is in little while, I will shake the heavens and the earth and the sea and the dry land. Uh-oh. And I will shake all nations, and the desire of all nations shall come. And I will fill this house with glory, saith the Lord of hosts. He says, we both received the same message yesterday, Rick. So, folks, uh, we're going into some tumultuous times. And God won't do anything unless he warns his prophets. He sends the warning before his judgment. Uh, a great shaking is getting ready to occur. This could be the fall where we see the fall of America start. You know, there's been a scripture that I've looked at every year that uh, Benjamin Root gave me. He says, there's a word that says, the summer has ended, the harvest has passed, and we were not saved. Well, the summer has passed, folks. Folks, we're going into the fall now. You know, Vincent Xavier received a word that there was a a year coming in the fall where there would be a nuclear weapon detonated in D.C. The Lord had showed him. Thank God it didn't happen last year. Will this be the year, I ask you? I don't know. All I know is that when that day comes, we're all screwed. Uh, the time to repair will be over, okay, when the time to act comes. So we need to get spiritually prepared. We need to get our financial houses in order. We need to really evaluate what is important, and we need to redeem the time. And that's for me, and I think that's for everybody out there and listening right now. Uh, we would be well served to seek God and find out, God, what would you have me to do? Because time is ticking, and we've got to redeem the time because the days are evil. So I just want to share that word tonight, um, just a wake-up call. Interesting kind of, too, that there's a movie out called Red with uh, <laughs> with uh, Bruce Willis. Kind of interesting, you know? Uh, that being said, I want to uh, go to the phone and bring on a special guest tonight, my mother, Katrina King. She's live here in the Omega Man Studios. Let me see if I can get her on the phone. Mom, are you there with me? I'm here. Praise God. How are you doing tonight? I'm doing good, enjoying that little sermonette you just preached. Man, that's awesome. Makes me really stop and think about um, the project I'm working on and the urgency I have this year versus last year. Um, back in 2005, 
um, I had an opportunity to go to India, and it was one of those heartfelt cries that I'd had since very young of wanting to do something in missions. Of course, you know, your grandmother and grandfather, my mom and dad, uh, being missionaries just about all my life, and I just thought, you know, how awesome it would be to find a place and go build an orphanage. And I tried so many times to, to do that in the United States, but nothing ever happened. And the Lord opened up a door for me to go to India to meet a wonderful Christian family who had been Christian since they were young, never compromised to the Hindu way of, of worship. And there they were sitting down there waiting for somebody to show up and help them out. And I remember going there seeing sadness, on one side with poverty, um, humility. My heart went there, man, real quick. And my dad used to say, there's missionaries, and then there's missionaries. That's right. And I thought, oh, God, are you calling me to missions? And the first week I was there, I called Dad, and I said, how in the world did you do this? You and Mom do this for so many years. I, every time I'd get up to go somewhere, go down to uh, a village and see children just literally on the streets, Overnight, laying on pieces of cardboard up against a wall, their hair matted from filth and dirt because they probably never had a bath in, in just ever so long. And looking into trash heaps, trying to find food, it broke my heart. I, I think I cried about every three hours. And I thought, oh, God, I can't, I can't do this. There's no way I can be Mother Teresa in, in India. And I went back to the United States with a burden on my heart to do something to make a difference. And... I started out slow because there's so many people with so many projects and missions that when you start talking to them about what you're doing, it's just another mission story to them. And I didn't lose hope, and I didn't get discouraged, and I started doing some research and started thinking about how can I go out and, and, and get people excited. I'm not a, a professional speaker. I, I don't feel like I have the courage to go out into big churches and start asking, so I just started within my own household. And started taking just every time I could get $50 or $100 to take and send over, how many kids could I feed? And that's where it began, and that's where it's going. And this is 2010. Um, it's been a slow process. I have since learned that there's a lot of things that you have to do to get an orphanage going. Uh, land is very expensive. Uh, all the loopholes that you have to jump through with their government there is very difficult. And to see some of the places that are so-called orphanages over there that aren't really orphanages, uh, that people just show up when the big crowds come, disappoints you. It's very discouraging. Um, but my heart's still there. I'm still trying really hard to continue to do what my heart says to do, is to help these children that are uh, malnutritioned, they don't have shelter, there's disease, there's kids with uh, eight-year-olds in, in the newspaper on a given morning You'll see a little child who they found floating on top of the water with a hole in its body where someone had harvested their heart or their lung or their kidney for some wealthy family whose child who needed uh, an organ to survive. And wow. It'll break your heart. Mom, that's terrible. Um, there's so much need over the world, and uh, I want to remind people that uh, just as I mentioned earlier, that we are going into some hard times. Mm -hmm. 
the question I get asked a lot, well, what do we do next? I mean, you know, uh, some people say get in the stock market. Some people say it's over with. Um, Tony Robbins, of course, uh, about a month ago, as he was boarding a plane to Fiji, he said that uh, one of his clients, which is a very uh, famous, well-known uh, stock investor, said, uh, Tony, get out of the market uh, because it's going to crash, basically. Uh, and that's what Tony did is he raised the alarm and said, look, I would be doing you a disservice as a friend. He's talking to his network there on his website. Excuse me, if I didn't tell you what I was told, and he said, don't put trust in the stock market. Get out of it if you can. You know, some people say, okay, well, I don't know what to believe there. You know, my uh, stockbroker says that it's going to you know, just ride it out. Come back, yeah. You, know, you see the gold and the silver skyrocketing. Um, you know, you see talk of another bailout. You say, you know, OB has not lived up to his promises. Um, and, folks, I, I want to be very clear here. It's not our president's fault. He takes orders just like Bush did, just like Clinton did, and even Reagan. There is a new world order being formed, okay? And these guys that are in office, guys and gals, are taking orders from the top, from a group of elitists, which have one goal in mind. That is to make everything multinational corporations, and just turn you and I into basically cattle, uh, consumers, and um, control us, okay? Take all the wealth and basically go back to a feudal system. You're either going to be ultra-poor or ultra-rich. There will be no middle class. There will be no in-between. And uh, they've got to collapse the economy of America to do this. They've got to create a reason to bring in NORTHCOM and peacekeeping troops Go house to house, search and seizure, disarm Americans. And we have several hundred million guns here. The New World Order knows that is a stumbling block to their plans. Something's going to happen, folks. And this whole place can be turned upside down. So what do you do? People ask me. Do I take money and put it under my pillow? Folks, listen. That's not even the answer. Now, I would say keep cash on hand. Have some money in gold and silver if you're able to do that. But understand, they can do a currency recall. They can freeze the money that you have in the banks. Okay, they can raid your IRAs. There's any number of scenarios where you can wake up and it'll be like Argentina. You know, a decade ago, people woke up and whatever they had in the bank the night before, now they had 50% of that, and they couldn't even get that. The bank, the government had just frozen all the bank accounts. It's coming here, too. So what do you do? How does this tie into the Street Kids project that we're talking about tonight with my mom? Well, God brought a word to me um, several years ago. And he said, you know, you're still in business at this point in time because of the fact that you have helped the poor. And he gave me a verse. He quickened it to my mind. And he says, those that lend to the poor, it's as if they have lent to God, and I shall repay them. That's what God says. So where am I going with this? I am saying that there is no better plan for making it through what's coming than to do what God said, and that is to help the poor. God has a special place in his heart for the children. You know, Jesus says, if you hurt one of these little ones, you might as well go get a millstone and tie it around your neck and throw yourself in the sea. Mm -hmm. Um, 
if you feed the poor, if you help the children, the orphans, the widows, those in disaster, and if you bless Israel, you can't leave out Israel, um, God will look at it as though you have lent to him, and he will repay you. He will bless you. Okay? The answer right now is not to trust in horses and chariots. Okay? You know, trust in the arm of the flesh is what it's talking about. But to put your hope in Christ and to obey the word of God. God is not a man that he can lie, and he watches over his word to perform it. So if we will help the poor, help the kids, help the widows, help those in disaster, it's like putting money in your savings account in heaven. And believe me, when all else is failing all around us, and you know people are having to go to FEMA food lines to get an MRE ration, and even that stops. And people are panicking because there's no food. Because famine is coming. That's one of the, the four horsemen of the apocalypse. Well, you know, the word says, I've never seen the righteous forsaken nor their seed begging bread. And if you help the poor, God is going to remember you in these times. Okay? And he will repay. So that's my plan. And that's what I tell people. Invest in the children. You can't go wrong. Over in India... As my mom will attest to having one over there now two or three times, Mom? Three times. Three times. She's been on the streets to areas where the untouchables lived. Mm -hmm. These are people that even the government over there has thrown away. Mm -hmm. Nobody cares if they live or die. There are children and babies crawling down the streets. They don't stay out there for long because usually a predator will get them. Mm -hmm. And they sell them into sexual slavery. Yep. And they'll take a young 12-year-old girl and they'll put a baby in her hands and they'll stick her out in the street and they'll prostitute these kids. They rape the, even the boys and the girls. They rape them. They'll poke their eyes out with firebrands and then put them on the corner with a, a tin cup and have them beg and sing, just like the movie Slumdog Millionaire. Folks, that was as real as it gets. Oh, yeah. It's worse. And not only are there children and babies that they've lost their mother and father, they don't, they'll never see them again. They're going down the road trying to make it the best they can. How long is a four-year-old child going to make it walking down the street? They're living on cardboard boxes. Um, it's horrible, folks. You've got old people that have been tossed away. You've got widows. If that doesn't make you want to cry, I don't know what will move you. And we sit over here and we eat and we go out to restaurants and we go to bed with three meals a day plus snacks. And most of us are carrying around 50 pounds of extra weight on top of that. Folks, if if we have an opportunity to do something and we don't help the children, don't expect anything when you need help from God and all else is failed because you are not obedient to the word of God. God may let you go on a 30-day fast before he kicks in and helps you. If you heard a word like this, an appeal to help, and you said, you know what? I, I'm not. I don't care about those kids over there. That's just a scam, a shakedown. There are a lot of those going on now. Don't get me wrong. And you do want to know where you're planting your seed. Be sure of that. Otherwise, you may not get a harvest if you plant in a bad ground. But we can tell you, folks, this is the real deal. The Street Kids of India project that my mom has started up. Now, mom, you have uh, linked up with Doctor Joshua Busi. Mm-hmm. Tell us a little bit about Doctor Joshua Busi and the sacrifice he made over there. Who is the man? Well, I, when I went to India, it wasn't just, I mean, if you just walk down any street, if you've been there before, you've seen any movie about it, 
it's a third world country. It's definitely poor. And there's, you know, you could just drop into any place in that country and start a mission project or do like Mother Teresa did. She thought about Calcutta, and that was where she went, and that was her ministry. But I wanted to do something a little edgy out of the box, a little bit different than what everybody else is doing. You've got ministries over there, and, and if you did your homework, you could, and I won't call names, there's a lot of mission projects going on in India. But they always go around these large cities like Mumbai, um, Chennai, New Delhi, in um, major cities. But nobody wants to go down and meet the untouchables. Nobody wants to go way out where it's not safe. Well, I met a family where one of the the father grew up in a untouchables village, and he doesn't speak real real good English, but his children do. But his story, as much as I could hear, was the most compelling most heart-wrenching, saddest story, I said, I'm going to go to that village. That's where I'm hoping, God willing, I end up going in January to go and videotape what we're going to start in that village if we can raise enough money. Come to find out his father, when he was 17 years old, was converted into Christianity by a British soldier, and he started taking Christ to the untouchables in his village. Joshua accepted Christ through his father ministering to him. And he's out of all the children, he was the only one that stayed into Christianity. The rest of them went Hindu, into Hinduism. But he's got a really good story. Maybe another time, another interview, I can tell you his story. But he managed to push through and get himself uh, out of that little village to go get an education so he could come back and help his people. And so when I met him, he had already gone to a city called Vizhakapatnam, what they call Vizak, and I'm not saying it like maybe the way they pronounce it. But he had gone and got an education, got married to another girl there. They have a beautiful story there and had three children and educated himself and worked hard to get an education at Andhra Pradesh, and he has two doctorate, two doctorate degrees. Double PhD, uh-huh. yes. And so when I met him, he's very humble because he chose Christianity over Hinduism. He couldn't get work anywhere. When he put his application out there and when it says religion and he put Christianity, I'm sorry, Mr. Boosie, Dr. Boosie, you can't work here. He lost job after job after job. So his children had to go out and work and do anything they could to get work, to get money to raise, to take care of their family. Anyway, the story is very sad there, but when I met him, I got to find, you know, to talk to him about where he grew up. And he said, I grew up in a small village that they call um, the untouchables. And I'll, get that name and put it on my website. But I want to go and build an orphanage there. And I found a little parcel of land, um, and it was where his father grew up, and he has rights to it. Uh, spent a couple of hundred dollars over there to get uh, get a, a documentation that says we can go build, and now I'm trying to raise money to do that. But what he's doing, he's going out and taking Jesus to these kids and when we get $100 here and $100 there, we go and feed those children, and Dr. Boosie takes Christ to those Hindu children. And that's the reward I'm getting out of it right now, It's being like while we're waiting to build something, we can you know, we can continue to feed the kids. Well, Mom, let me add this to um, So you found a man uh, who's a Christian in a country primarily, predominantly uh, Hindus, 
and Muslims, mm-hmm. and maybe there's, what, 4% that are Christians over there? Is it even that I much? I think it's even less. Mm-hmm. And here's a guy, folks, that uh, lives in a nation that if you're not a Hindu, when you go to apply for a job, they don't want you. They, they tell you, we don't have no job for you. Uh, double doctorate, he can't even get a job over there because he's not a Hindu. So he had brothers that, uh, one of them I believe was a doctor. Mm-hmm. They said, you know, listen, convert to Hinduism and... You know, everything you need will be given to you. You have you can get a government job with your education. You can live great. Your children won't have to uh, be working. Mm-hmm. And what are you going to do, folks, when they put the mark of the beast system in? And they tell you, if you'll just take this mark, you won't have to worry about not having food. It'll be business as usual, just like before the crash. We're going to be given that same opportunity to deny Christ and be able to participate in the system, or accept Christ when locked out. He's locked out right now. Cannot get a job, folks. On top of that, he's a man that has uh, a heart ailment and cannot even afford the money for his heart medicine. So he really believes God every day, every single day. Mm-hmm. And he has to pray even to go out of his small apartment because the the, sat- the satanic, demonic influence is so great there. There's demons everywhere because, you know, they have demon gods and goddesses. Oh, they're all around. All around that You can feel it. Society. It's so strong. When you walk out, you feel like somebody's staring at you, and you won't see anybody around you. It, it's, it's that much of an influence. You actually are feeling the demons watching you over there. He, he has so trained his kids that if we go to the market, when we walk out, we all stand in a circle. He prays. We walk out. We go to the market. When we come back, we... He prays again. It's like I don't know if anything was out there, but it's not coming in this house. And it's it's an, it's an incredible lifestyle they've got going on just to live in that country because you can feel the influence. If you go into a village, you can see people, people staring at you from across walls, behind trees. Wow. And when he walks into a crowd and he is going to t- talk about Jesus, they start gathering around stones behind a tree on the ground. They start crawling over. And if you bring a white person into the mix, of course, they, they don't know if you're a missionary or you're bringing them food. It's a great opportunity, but they're so sweet. The people are precious. The majority of those folks over there are so starved for relationship with you, uh, communication, you know, like Mother Teresa saw, just a morsel of, of bread, a little bit of water. But you go out and reach out to these people and you touch them, it makes a world of difference in how they respond back to you. I had people, little kids, walking up to me and just lean up against my leg. And I would ask Dr. Boosie, Is, do these kids have home? They go, they just roam the street. They just are street kids. They have no home. I said, well, where are they going to go at night? He said, follow one of these kids. We went out one day and came back toward the evening, and they were all up against the wall. There were about five of them. And they were all leaning up against the wall together on a piece of pasteboard box. And he said, the next morning, whatever food you put through that that trash bin, it's somebody's breakfast. It's either a dog's breakfast, it's a, a cow, or a child has managed to rummage down through that trash pile. And then it made me rethink how I was putting my leftover rice in a, a bag. Man, I was wanting to make sure it was all clean because they will be right down at the bottom of the trash bin to get that trash the next morning for their food. Break your heart. Just break your heart. Well, you know, folks, I had a chance to uh, speak with Dr. Boosie. My mom met him, uh, stayed with him at his home, his apartment, if you want to call it that. They all yeah. sleep on the floor 
uh, folks' Spartan conditions. And you know what? This guy doesn't complain. That's why I wanted a little bit of groundwork. Uh, all that this guy could do and he could earn if he would reject Christ and the fact that he's not able to work, uh, he can't get a job uh, because he's a Christian, you know, he doesn't complain. He doesn't murmur. And if you ask him what he wants to do, his whole desire is to serve the Lord and go out and minister to the street kids, to the untouchables, people that nobody wants. Because whatever you're born into over there, if you're born into a poor family, it's a caste, mm-hmm. it's a caste system. You're mm-hmm. you're in that. You're, you're locked in that for life. You can't get out of it. You can't raise yourself up. The untouchables are the poorest of the poor. They don't have any hope if someone doesn't come in there uh, with love and try to help them. And so all he wants to do is minister to these people, go out and feed them. Feed them the word of God. Put some food in their bellies and save some souls for Jesus Christ. So when I heard this testimony, I said, wow, I've got to get involved in this. And so what we started to do is we began um, to raise some money as we could. And I asked the question one day. I said, Mom, find out for me how much money it would take to feed 50 kids. And Dr. Boosie went to work on it. And it took him a week or so to come back. He went out and he wanted to to get me an exact accounting of what it would cost. And what we found out is that for $200, over in India, you can go down to the big hotels, okay, and where they do a lot of cooking in bulk, and you get them to cook these big, big pots of curry chicken, curry with vegetables, rice. They love eggs over there, eggs, and um, food. Sometimes fruit. Mm-hmm. Sometimes fruit, right? And, of course, water. Clean water, that is. And uh, you can take it out on site into these villages. And when the word goes, it's like ringing the dinner bell. Oh, my goodness. You yeah. might have planned for 50 people, but you might have 500 people That's show up. That's why we upped it to 200, because when we, you, you can go over and get little bags of rice and cook up a bag of rice, a batch of rice, and give some boiled eggs, and it not cost you a whole lot. But when they started seeing what they were getting, he had them sit down under trees out into vacant school lots that we could find like a piece of concrete slab and there would be nobody then we'd just grab as many as we could and sometimes that would give us an opportunity to just anybody who walked up had to hear about Jesus. He wouldn't feed them until he, he ministered to them first. And every dime we put there goes straight to that. Not not 20% or you know 5%. Every bit of that money went over there so what we start doing is seeing, you know, if we can go put $100 or we can put 150 or $200 toward that, it is a convention, an event. People everywhere started pulling up on the side of the street to hear about Christ. And then he was able to feed them. And then it began to be, well, my goodness, we can bring food to these people. We can teach them about Jesus. And you may never see them again. Sometimes you may you come back there in a week or two later when we gather enough money to do it again, and sometimes you'd see the same familiar faces. So I was able to leave my camera with one of their daughters, and I said, what I want you to do is to be able to go somewhere in town and download these pictures to me so I can see what you guys are doing. And in some of those photographs, you can see people crying, little children with their hands and their their face in their hands and tears coming down. So whatever he was saying to those kids... Whatever he was saying to those adults, they were emotionally distraught by it. And 
maybe they'd never even heard about Christ. Maybe some of them had heard it three or four times. Maybe they were, you know, repeat uh, followers. But the point of the matter is, if we are to do what God mandated us to do, we got to stand before God one day by ourselves with nobody in our corner saying, listen, you don't, you don't know this guy. He was really a, a follower of you, Jesus. He just did this and he did that. Jesus is not interested in what anybody else said. He's interested in what he saw you do. Your heart, plain and simple, without a tag and title, it doesn't matter about who you are on this planet Earth, is what you did while you were here to make a difference in people's lives. I, you know, and, and the whole the whole point of this 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 journey to me on this earth, if we've got a short time left on this earth, we've got to do everything we can to make a difference in life so we can get our reward system when we get there. Amen. You know, Mom, uh, Jesus uh, showed us a picture of Judgment Day. Mm-hmm. And he said there's going to be many in that day that cry out, Lord, Lord, didn't I do all these great things? Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, he says, uh, did you give me a cup of cold water when I was thirsty? Did you visit me when I was sick? Um, did you visit me when I was in jail? You know, did you feed me when I was hungry? Um, and people say, well, well, Lord, I don't understand. He says, well, the fact that you didn't do it to them, you didn't do it to me. He was talking about uh, the children, the people who can't help themselves. The widows, the orphans, the untouchables that we're talking about tonight. You know, there's another verse that says, How can you go and preach the gospel of Jesus Christ to people who haven't eaten for days? And what do you do? You go preach the gospel, the good news, and say, The Lord bless you, and leave them? Mm-mm. No. First, what you do is you fill their tummies, okay? And having met their needs, then you can feed them the word of God. And that's what we do over there. What we do is we take people that no one cares about, that have never heard about Jesus Christ, that could be dead in three days from malnutrition. You know, you can live three days, Mom, without water. Mm -hmm. 30 days tops without food, they say. Mm -hmm. In most cases, you know, maybe excluding some of us Americans (laughs) who are carrying around 50 pounds extra. Mm -hmm. My point I'm trying to make is, is, uh, folks, we don't know how much time they've got left over there. And that doesn't even include the dysentery and the other uh, horrible conditions they've got to live with or being raped or murdered. And my point here I'm trying to make is we found a man, Dr. Boosie, who gave up all for Jesus Christ. And all he wants to do is go and save a few of these. And so what we've been able to do is we've been able to um, get food into his hands. He'll go out. The kids will gather around, the, the elderly. He'll gather them out into like a park. He'll give the word of God. They'll sing praises. He'll preach to them about Jesus. They'll raise their hands. Mm-hmm. And we get all this on tape, by the way. Yeah. Sometimes he's out there a couple hours. Amen. And, you know. Because more and more people come. One um, was about oh, maybe six, seven months ago. Vinny, their baby daughter, was saying, oh, my goodness, there's more and more people coming, and I don't think we've got enough food. And they had huge containers I think that was the week we gave a $200 feeding. I thought, that's a lot of food. And sometimes they don't always get chicken. You know, if we can afford to do that, like somebody said, you know, put an extra $25 in there and put some protein in there with that. I I feel privileged to be able to give them that. But sometimes they don't get that at all. And it is the nastiest low-grade rice they may get if they get that. 
and out of a trash can somewhere if they can get that. But I thought, oh, this would be a great experience. Give them some fruit in in their their meal. So we, you know, really did it well that one one uh, weekend. And people started coming from everywhere because it's like a brush fire it just ignites. There's food. There's food down the village. And then he said, her daddy just started praying. He said, Lord, you got to spread that food. You got to. Be like the the story on the mount. And uh, she said, the more the mom just kept uh, showering, she just kept dipping her big old spoon down in that pot. That was a miracle. And it was about two feet deep, and they just kept dipping it and dipping it. And it was till the last child and the last family was fed. They still had rice in that pot. I guarantee God spread that. I know He did. Amen. So that was a, that was kind of a sweet little story to me. You know, I have a question for you, folks. What type of person are you? Um, have you ever been ready to sit down for dinner and someone will knock at the door and they you know they come in kind of unannounced? Mm-hmm. Are you the type that will keep on eating and let them sit down and you don't even offer them anything? Folks, let me tell you something. I've been in that situation many times. People would come in on me <laughs> unannounced, and uh, I couldn't in good conscience sit there and eat. I will share what I've got before I'll sit there and watch someone else watch me eating, and I have no food. I hope you're that same way. I hope that you're not like the, the, the dog that I had, which, uh, like a lot of dogs, you give them a little bit of food, and if you were to go to move the plate, it, they'll bite you. I mean, you know, I'm talking greedy. Folks, we have a lot to be thankful for here in America, and very soon it's going to be taken away. What are you going to do when there's no food? Many people are going to rob and kill and steal to get that. We don't have to do that as children of God. If we have been obeying the Lord and we've been helping when we had an opportunity to help, because God will remember us. What I'm saying to you here is if you can sit down and eat another meal, and what we're talking about tonight doesn't phase you, then you need to pray through. Because there's kids tonight that haven't eaten in days, and they're probably going to die. I've got photographs. We take them every time that we feed them. And unfortunately, I have to say, Mom, I haven't been able to help uh, do anything in probably six months for lack of funds. And that's why we're doing this program tonight. We need your help out there. These kids need your help. You know, it says in the Word that he that wins souls is wise. Did you know that a soul could be one for Jesus Christ through the kindness of some food mm-hmm. given to them. You know, they look at Dr. Boosie like he's an angel oh, yeah. coming in there. Uh, and you know what's sad is that we'll feed as many as we can, and then word starts to spread to the villages, and they come far and wide. They'll start going back to the same location he was at last time on a given weekend. And Joshua said one time he, he passed by that little tree where they used to just gather around the, the, the tree and sit on leaves or whatever they could find. And they were sitting out there waiting on him. God have mercy. And there was nobody there. And he said, oh, dear Lord, I had to go back to the house. And he told his wife, said, what have we got Jesus. in the house that we can go feed them? I mean, just bring them something. And they were uh, probably 20, 25 out there. And, and Shara went back and grabbed uh, some boiled eggs and boiled them real quick while he was preaching and brought back a, a little thing of boiled eggs. I mean, you can get eggs over there relatively cheap, and she just cut them in half, and the little hands are out there holding. I mean, I've done it myself, waiting on a, a half of a boiled egg. It'll break your heart. It makes you really, really feel bad that you've already started something, and there's nobody there to continue it on. Folks, I'm here to tell you that God woke me up at 3 a.m. in the morning last week. For those of you just tuning in, he woke me up twice. Thank God the second time I uh, realized it was him trying to speak to me, and I got in the Word. 
and he told me the lateness of the hour, showed me the America, where we're at in the timeline. Folks, we're in Isaiah 13 right now. Rick Wiles got the same confirmation. I'm sure men and women of God have gotten this same word we got this past week. We are late in the game here. We don't have much time to take the resources that we still have in our hands and do something that can help us make it through the times that are coming. Many are going to fall away. What we're trying to say tonight is you have an opportunity to do something. I'm getting a little bit of echo here. You have an opportunity to do something tonight, folks, uh, that can help you make it through the hard times that we're all going to go through. It rains on the just and the unjust, okay? Unlike most of what we have will probably be confiscated and taken away. And then it'll be useless to you anyway. The IRA that you've been saving for retirement, folks, I'm sorry to tell you, that if you don't have your hands on it in the form of probably gold or silver, it's probably going to be confiscated. The shutdown is coming. And I'm here to tell you, just as the Word of God says, don't put your treasures in here on earth where the rust, the moth, the thief can corrupt and steal them. Put your treasures in heaven. Okay? And God said, if you lend to the poor, it's as if you've lent to me, and I shall repay you. Mm-hmm. I'm here to tell you that you have an opportunity right now to do something that could be the difference between life and death for you and your family in the days ahead. Because you considered someone else for once in your life. We need your help to do this. I wish that I didn't have to get on the program tonight and even ask for help. But you know what? This is an opportunity for you to actually plant some seed in a ground that can reap a real harvest. Many have sent money to the televangelists. They'll never see anything back. There's many that have lost their homes. They gave everything to a televangelist, and then they said, uh, yes, I'm calling for brother so-and-so. Would someone please pray? Mm-hmm. Well, ma'am, you can't get a hold of him. What can we do for you? Well, I, I, I gave everything I had to the ministry, and I've just lost my home and my job. And Well, we'll keep you in prayer. And then they end up on the street themselves. Folks, you, we reap what we sow. Reap into something that's going to give you a harvest. The widows, the orphans, the poor, the children, Israel, those in disaster. I'm telling you that opportunities where you really can know beyond the shadow of a doubt that what you're putting in is getting to the end user are few and far between. We can tell you that we've checked this out. This is where I tied to. And um, here's what we would like to do in summation. We would like to start a regular weekly program of feeding 100 children and widows in the Untouchables area of Vizag, India. We're going to have Dr. Busi go in there with his wife, They'll take the food, and they don't take a dime out of this, okay? It all goes to the purchase of the food. He'll go out there on a Sunday afternoon. We'll get the people under the tree. Mm-hmm. And uh, they're going to bring kids in from far and wide. And they're going to feed them the Word of God, feed their bellies, get them to praise the Lord. And there's going to be souls saved. And then when the bottom drops out, which is very soon here in America, you can count on God coming through for you and your family because you helped the poor when you had an opportunity to do that. Now, I had a, uh, a PayPal donation yesterday of $50. It came in and said, 
we heard you talking about the poor from India. Well, folks, this is only the second time I think I've brought this up out of 100 shows. So she listened to an archive. Well, praise the God for you. Uh, that's going this week to Dr. Boosie. We're going to feed some kids this Sunday. Absolutely. We need your help to do so. We all said Brother Tom Mack gave $10. I've got $60, folks. We need $140 to do it. Lord. Now, we believe we can do that mm-hmm. every single week. We want to build a church over there of kids that have been saved mm-hmm. from sure death if they get no food and water, which is the lot of many of them. And then as God opens the door, after we've got a regular feeding program every week, uh, we want to talk about some other plans in another show where we would like to actually get an orphanage over there and get these kids off the street oh, yeah. before they get picked up and turned into prostitution and sex slaves, mm-hmm. like in Slumdog Millionaire. If God has put it on your heart tonight, uh, contact me via omegamanradio.com. There's a donate button over there. Put in the notes. This is for the street kids of India. And every dime that you send will be sent over, and we will purchase food, and we will put it towards feeding the kids on Sundays. That's my plan right now. We want to raise $200 a week. 20 people giving $10 a week, saying, you know what, I'll fast today if I have to. I will skip a quarter pounder with cheese combo. Because... The kids need it more than I. And you know what? I need some insurance for hard times. Maybe you haven't done much in the past. Well, it's not too late to make a change here. Mm-hmm. That's what I'm going to do, Mom, mm-hmm. because I don't know of any better investment than to investing in the sure things, okay? What the Word of God says there's a payback for, and God himself says, if you remember the poor, you have went to me and I will repay. Mm-hmm. And, folks, you don't know the eternal reward until you get and stand before Jesus one day and then he brings to you 75 kids. He said you had a part in this. They got saved because you were selfless and you uh, you did something while you had an opportunity on this planet to do so. Uh, again, um, we need your help. We've got $60 this week towards the $200. Pray about it. Um and if God puts this burden on your heart, like I have, my mom has, and you would like to partner with us for the Street Kids of India, what we'll do is every week that we feed them, we're going to have photographs, okay? Mm-hmm. We're going to send them to you so you'll know where your money went. Yep. Uh, this is the real deal, folks. I would not uh, promote anybody who I've not checked out first. And uh, I really believe in this cause. And, uh, you know, it just tickles me to death to be even able to give myself because... To give, you know God's going to bless and perform his word, and it, it's a blessing to be able to give. It's better to give than to receive, the word says. Mm-hmm. So pray about it. I mean, 20 people, $10 uh, a week, we could do this. Mm-hmm. 100 people giving $2. Well, I mean, there's power numbers there, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> if we don't get 200 we still feed. You know, if we got $50, I'd still feed. It we'll make it go as far as we can, exactly, right? Exactly, but I'm, we don't stop... Wait, you know, I just figured, it, you know, I'm, it would be nice to be able to feed 50 kids at a, oh, at, a, yeah, at a stretch. So, And, you know, I believe God can multiply it. He has absolutely. done it in the past. And you can do that for $200. You know, you mm-hmm. can give them a meal, a meal, which is going to keep them alive. Not just rice. Of the Word of God and something to feed their belly. So mm-hmm. um, pray about it. And uh, if you would like to get behind us on that, uh, you can partner with us on that. And uh, 
Thank you. You know, it says, Mom, that one plants a seed, another waters it. They both share in the harvest. I mean, this is an opportunity that uh, you can really reap uh, even some eternal reward because there's souls being harvested here. Mm-hmm. And, you know, God has a special place in his heart for the children. Oh, yes, he does. So he'll look down at you one day soon when everything else is falling down around you, when everybody's laid off of work. There's foreign troops in the streets. Mm-hmm. There's rationing going on of the, the food that is still left. And God will say, yeah. Mm-hmm. Dr. Tom McGonigal, he gave $10, fed fed some poor children over there in India. Angels sent him some food. Absolutely. You know, it'll be like the widow woman when there was a drought in the land, and Elijah prayed for her, okay, Mm -hmm. as she was about to die and make her last corn hoe cake. That's a beautiful story. And what did he do? He kept them alive during the famine. Mm -hmm. Another time, he kept her uh, barrels filled with oil, and she sold them and was able to pay off all her debts because she was getting ready to be taken to debtor's prison. That's right. You know, God can do the miraculous. God just uses his people to do it. You know, God owns all the, the money. What is James, uh, not James, but uh, John but 15, for obedient servants to get and partner with him. Go ahead. I'm just remembering the scripture I quoted all last year. and People go, oh, I don't have the money to go do that, or I, I can't afford that this year. So what does John fifteen five say? This is Jesus talking. He says, apart from me, you can't do anything. Apart from me. We have to lean on God for everything that we do. It's just having the faith to go do it. And faith is something that we hope for that we don't see. The, I think the scripture that hit me this week was huge, was Matthew 25, when Jesus' parable talks about the talents. And... What I got out of that this week was, if I can't trust you with small things, do you think I'm going to give you anything big? you got to be consistent and humble in the small things. I got discouraged the second year I went over there because I just couldn't get people to get passionate about it. I go, what am, I don't understand what I'm supposed to do. I'm, I'm telling folks about it. I'm showing them photographs. I put a simple little website together. I got up in some of the churches that I thought that they would let me in and told them the story. I said, this is a real story. I don't take anything from this. I don't ask anybody to pay for my flight over there and back. I said, here's the receipts. There's an open ledger. You can see if you gave $50, it's going there, and what that did. And I'd come home and just cry. I managed to raise a little bit and would go back. And I'd feed more kids. And I said, Lord, there is land out there for an orphanage to be built. Please, I'm not a big mega church, but use me. You used Mother Teresa. She didn't have the Catholic Church behind her when she started. She started out believing God for everything she did. They they look at her like she's a saint over there in that country because she showed a lot of love for those people. And that's really basically what they're looking for is love, kindness. The third year I go back, I decided I'm staying three months this time. I got down into the mire with them. I didn't wear any of my clothes. I wore no jewelry, no makeup. I went over a stripped-down version of me, as humble as I could be. I didn't want to be a threat to anybody. And I got out in those villages with the people to see what their life was about. And it will humble you big time. Now, I may never have a big story like some of these people that 
or on television every day. But God sees my heart. He sees I've been diligent in small things. I think there's going to be breakthrough coming this year. I really feel it in my heart. There's something around the corner. We're going to get that little orphanage. It's a, when I say orphanage, I'm not talking about you know 5,000 people in this place, and it's going to be all brick and, and have all the Western accommodations and features there. I'm talking some little, if it has to be a thatch roof hut with four stubbins out there that we've got a way to, to provide shelter for those children, we're going to do it. If that's what we call our orphanage in the beginning, that's what we're going to do, and I believe God's going to provide. You know, folks, so, the, the the key here is to save the kids. Yep. Uh, go rent Slumdog Millionaire if you've never seen it. And if that doesn't move you, I don't know what movie will. That's real hardcore reality. Uh, these kids are dying. They're being raped. They're being sold into slavery. They're having their eyes put out with acid. So they look like little beggar children that were born that way. And then they're turned into slaves begging on the street corner. Folks, it's real. Just like that. And you've got an opportunity to save a child. Do it for the children. And if you've done it for the children, it's like doing it for Jesus Christ. Because he has a, a place in his heart for the kids. And uh, there's a blessing to get involved in something like this. So uh, I want you to pray about it. And if the Holy Spirit convicts you and moves on you to to be a part of this, um, then write in and let me know. Shannon at OmegaManRadio.com. Uh, you can also donate online at uh, OmegaManRadio.com. Just put in there for the Street Kids of India Project. And I'll be giving weekly reports. I'll be posting photographs. Um, and you'll be a partner with us in this. Souls that are saved, you've got a piece of that. Mm-hmm. Praise God. I mean, we can we have a chance to make an impact and have a chance to do something that's going to uh, ensure we make it through the hard times ahead and we don't go hungry ourselves because God will remember and he'll look down and he'll remember oh, yeah. what we did. And uh, we need all the help we can get in what's coming here in America, folks, because it's going to be taken away from us pretty soon. That's their plan. It may have even started today. Uh, you know, the next 911 is coming very soon. And um, it's a powder keg right now here in America. You never know what's going to happen when you wake up in the morning. And I believe that's what God was telling me. That You know, the time is now. Okay, judgment is pouring out. Uh, get ready for a roller coaster ride. So uh, that's my advice on how to make it to the hard times that are ahead. And, Mom, I want to thank you for uh, coming on tonight. And, um, you know, folks, we want to do more. We're hoping in uh, sometime in the near future to be able to take a trip over there. We want to do street ministry. We're going to walk through the streets of Vizag. We're going to lay hands on the sick. We're going to cast out demons in Jesus' name. We're going to preach the gospel message. We're going into enemy territory. 96% 96% over there, Hindu and Muslim. Some of those places, they'll eat you. They're, they're still cannibals in some of those areas. There's a little village, five hours by train, that is a real untouchable village. And another time, we'll tell a story about what goes on in that village. And that's where we want to go this next time we go. I mean, Vizek's 
bad enough. I mean, it's it's so sad. You just can't even, you can't imagine that folks live like that. There's, there's no way. And then get into an untouchables village. Joshua, when he was a little boy, lived in a a little. And I know we're going to get off here, but he had a, a little dirt house, a dirt floor, little grass roof, and they slept on the floor on the ground. And a bug crawled into his ear, which is probably very common over there. They didn't have any money to go to the doctor. And they couldn't get that bug out. And it ruined his eardrum. He cannot hear in that one ear to this day. And I'm sure he has never forgotten that lifestyle back then, how he grew up. That's why he's so compassionate about that place changing. Nobody wants to go there in that village and start saving souls. Do you think any of these televangelists or you see on TV are going into the Untouchables village? They'll go into a major city and set up camp. But how easy is that where it's more commercialized? But they won't go down into the villages where you are. You better not go there unless you go there with protection. That's right, Mom. And The enemy is strong there. As much as poverty is strong there, the enemy is strong there. Those are Hindu villages. Folks and Joshua is going back in those villages. He's getting excited. As many, he, we talk about maybe getting 50 or or $100. He goes, that's okay. Let's go in there. And, and it was like wage war on the enemy when he goes there. So. Folks, it's true. We have an opportunity to go into enemy territory and snatch these children out of mm-hmm. the clutches of Satan's claws because he wants them to die. Yep. Okay? And you have an opportunity to stop that. We can go over there and we can snatch them out of the fire. We can get them saved. Mm-hmm. We can feed them. And we can make a difference. Uh, what we're going to do, we need to do quickly because time is running out on all of us. And when we stand before God, it's over with. Whatever eternal reward you're going to have has already been earned. Some of us are going to make it into heaven with the smell of smoke on us. We had no reward. Or we lost our reward. But yeah, I gave money to the you know, to the the local church so they could build a larger cathedral. Or I send it in to uh, the televangelist folks. Proverbs says if you give to the rich, don't expect anything back. I'm paraphrasing. Uh, Be real sure where you're planting your seed. Be good stewards of your money, I think. We have to be good stewards, and we have to realize what's the the best bang for our buck Mm -hmm. as the dollar is becoming worth less and less every single day. So I just want to put that appeal out if uh, anybody would like to join me. I've got two people that have uh, given to this project. Um, we need your help. And uh, write in and let me know if God moves on you to help us save some children. Um, with that, I want to thank you for tuning in tonight. I want to thank you, Mom, for coming on. And uh, Thursday night, we're going to have Al Cuppet on, sharing an intelligence update. We have... Dr. Pat Holliday back for the School of Deliverance Saturday night, 8 o'clock. And then we have John Franklin of Hegewish coming on Sunday night. By the way, if you're in Highland, Indiana this weekend, they're going to be having conference number 94. The workshop up there at Hegewish, home of Wynne Worley, Pastor Michael Thierer, John Franklin, Brother Mosley, others will be speaking. And uh, great place to go, folks, to get deliverance, to make some friends. And uh, that, again, will be this weekend hbcdelivers.org. also want to tell you that Wynn Worley's website, wrwpublications.com, is back online. 
source of some great deliverance material. God bless you and keep you, and uh, I'll see you again very soon. We are going to be going back to uh, a nightly program. I'm working on uh, getting all the equipment hooked up with Skype to get a better signal. I'm actually on Skype tonight. I don't know how it's working out. I've got to get a little better headset, but I'm almost there. And we're going to get off of this 8-bit feed and go up to 44-bit, which uh five times better signal. Looking forward to that. We've got a bunch of new guests we're going to be lining up. And uh, we're excited about what God's doing. So partner with us. God bless you. And uh, spread the word about Omega Man Radio. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Omega Man Radio. Our mission is to operate in the threefold ministry of Jesus Christ and take evangelism, deliverance from demons, and miracle healing to the world. If you would like to partner with us, you can support this work by donating any amount online at OmegaManRadio.com. Join us in an all-out attack against the hosts of hell. It's time to deliver a death blow to the enemy and take back territory for Jesus. Tell a friend and support Omega Man Radio. Radio.